Well, if you have your Bible, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 6. We're in a series called Promised Land Living, which is really about this. It's about what does it look like for a people to live a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. You see, the promised land is a picture. It's, a, it's an example to us about what it is to live a spirit-led life, to be led by God, nourished by God, spoken to by God. And what we will encounter, the, remember this, the promised land uh, for us as believers, it's not heaven. It's not heaven. We are going to heaven one day. We are going to be in the presence of God. Jesus is going to come back and he will return soon. But that's not the promised land. The promised land is after you get born again and filled with God's spirit and you expand the kingdom of God right here on earth. And so there are lessons to be learned from the book of Joshua that the Lord is teaching us from the book of Joshua so that we learn to step into this life of being spirit-led. I tell you, uh, we're, we, we've, been, we've been led by our flesh long enough in this nation. We've been led by the flesh uh, in the church long enough, okay? Matter of fact, the streets of America are overflowing right now with people who are being led by their feelings and by the flesh. And it is, our nation overall right now is being corrupted with ideas that are demonic in nature and they stand as the antithesis of God's design. I have officially declared June Humility Month. By the way, next month will be Humility Month. Every month needs to be Humility Month. Why? Because if you were here on First Wednesday, and by the way, if you weren't, you need to go and listen to the message. You need to go and, because it's, it's in this series. You've got to understand what God is saying and what God is doing to us and how important it is to be humble before God, to let him con confront any self-centered uh, self tendencies. That we would understand that we need an encounter with God in this last day if we're really going to fulfill our destiny. Please go and listen. And if you haven't already, uh, you know, uh, followed the church on Facebook, you need to. Uh, make sure you like our ministry page and turn on the notifications. Go to our, our YouTube page. You find us on YouTube by going to Calvary Church Inverness. And you'll, you'll find our channel right there. We're always posting, always praying, always streaming. There's always information there and uh, uh, messages there for your encouragement. So uh, today we're going to continue in this series uh, called Promised Land Living with a message called The Sound of Victory. The Sound of Victory. Now, this story today is a little bit, uh, for me personally, like a journey back to children's church. Because this is one of those stories that was taught over and over again about Jericho and the walls falling down. For those of us uh, who raised kids, you know, in, in the last 20 years, one of the greatest veggie tales of all time it has to do with peas on the wall of Jericho. Oh, you should go back and watch it just as a biblical reference. Their theology is really good. Okay, and, uh, uh, but, uh, but I want you to, just for a moment, um, 
I not only want you to go with me back to children's church with the wonder in your heart that you would have connected to this story, but I want you to check in to this story. Not from the point of, okay, I already know this story, but from the point that there could be a modern day right now word for us from this familiar passage. And so let's begin in Joshua chapter 1. By the way, if you follow along on the Bible app, all the notes are in there. And uh, I got a lot to say and I'm not real sure I'll get to all of it. So Joshua chapter 6 verses 1 through 20 says this, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. And no one went out and came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city uh, once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in, in the front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, uh, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. So uh, he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priest uh, uh, took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up and went to first service at 8 a.m. <laughs> and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make uh, the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Now this is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful story. 
Uh, there, are, there are many illusions, many things that you can grab uh, from this story. But here is the great story. The story is the people of Israel come across the Jordan River by the grace of God. It is only by God's grace that they crossed over. But where they crossed over was near the most fortified city of the promised land. The first place of conquest that God was calling them to was this place with walls that were so large, it was said, they rode their horses and pulled chariots on the walls. By the way, don't try to build this in Citrus Hills. The HOA won't have it. It's too big. Not going to have this kind of wall. This is not, this is not just uh, building a gated community. This was the kind of city that said, no matter what army comes against us, no matter, no matter what kind of spear, arrow, it doesn't matter. This city will stand. That's what these walls were saying. That's what this city was saying. And get this, God in this moment with this, this people that had been wandering around in the Ill, uh, wilderness who now are in covenant with God, viewing things through the grace of God, are called to the greatest confrontation that they, they, they have ever been called to in their lifetime. They have to confront an impossible situation. And I want to tell you today, the reason I am sharing you this message with, with all of us is because that is where we are as the church God is doing a wonderful work in that last hour. Yes, he is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters are prophesying. People are hearing God. There's a stirring in the church or, or, and revival is moving. But I am here to tell you that there stands walled cities in this nation that are saying, I don't care what happens in the church. We're not going to fall. There are institutions being raised up in this nation that unless the people of God get in step with the will of God they will stand in opposition unto eternity but I believe in this last hour God is raising up a church who will release a sound of victory I'm telling you there will be revival in America we're going to see this thing turn around if we will align ourselves and learn some lessons about how to be a spirit-led spirit-filled church of the last hour So how does this work, this sound of victory? How does, this, how does this work for us? Well, first of all, the sound of victory, you need, to, you need to know how this gets initiated. It begins with God's revealed will. Notice Joshua 6, 2, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king, and fighting men. God shows up, speaks to Joshua, see I have delivered Jericho, its king, and all its armies. What happened? 
Nothing. Nothing happened. Not even a pebble fell off the wall. Nothing moved. But I'm here to announce to you today, Jericho's defeat was sealed when God announced his will. I got to tell you, church, what we are doing in this hour is we'll come to church and we'll hear the promises of God, but then what do we do? We look to the walls instead of looking to our Creator, instead of looking to the promises of God. We're looking to the walls. And I'm here to tell you today that every victory in this last hour will be accomplished by a people of faith. When God said, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, it was over. I, I believe in this last hour, God is going to teach the church how to believe God again. You're going to learn how to believe God again. Believing, listen isn't seeing. And that's not seeing. You will see, but that's not how faith works. A faith walk looks radically different than that. But if you don't know what the revealed will of God is, you've got nothing to have faith in. If you don't know God's revealed will, and by the way, if you don't know God's character, why would you trust him? Notice Numbers 23, 19, it says, which every time I quote this verse, all I can think of is Monsters, Inc. Anybody know? 23, 19. Anyways. I think we need to sound an alarm from Numbers 23, 19. That's probably why I remember it's going off in my head. And it may not be the right number. But when there was contamination in that movie, they would sound an alarm. Every time you get contaminated with a thought that's derived from yourself or for Satan, you need to shout out, 2319, 2319, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. That means change his mind. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he, has he spoken and will he not make it good? God is not a liar and God isn't changing his mind. I'm telling you today, when God speaks the truth through his word to us, you can stand on it, you can believe it, you can trust it, and God will perform it. That's what Isaiah 55 says. It says, so shall my word be. It will prosper in the thing that I sent it to do. Now listen, God never lies. And what he speaks, he brings to pass. But listen, listen to this. You've got to hear this carefully. It was Joshua's humility and intimacy with God that set the stage for him to hear what the Lord was proclaiming. Joshua is having a conversation with God. He was intimate with God. He was near to God. That's the only way he got the direction. So I have this question. 
the sound of victory is released by the revealed will of God in this moment, right now. I don't want to give you a principle. I want to ask you a question. What is God speaking to you right now? What has he clearly said to you? I think it's time for the church to give an account of what God is saying to you. Now listen, I know that when I say, what is God speaking to you? I felt it in the spirit. I feel it every single time it gets, walls go up. This is a wall come down meeting. But as soon as it gets personal, walls go up. I felt it in the spirit. What do you mean God's speaking to me? Isn't that your job? You hear from God, tell us what he's saying, and we'll just do what he's doing. That's old covenant. That's not new covenant. That's old covenant. That's not the way you're meant to live. I'm asking you a question. What do you hear? What has been clearly revealed to you? Well, since you're putting up walls, why don't we just name them? Let me put up, let me just say today to some who've got some walls up to hearing God, or listening to him, this is a common one. You'll hear this come up. What's God speaking to? Well, you know, you may be here today and somebody made you come to church. You know, well, this God thing, it's, you know, it's fine for her, but you know, not for me. This God thing really isn't for me. Well, let me just confront that wall with God's revealed will. Second Peter 3.9. Pastor McKenzie was singing it over us today and announcing it. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what that tells me? The God thing is for you. This relationship with God is for you. Why? Because he is not willing that you will perish. Now listen to me. Listen to me, friend. You will perish without Jesus. There is an eternity separated from God in a place called hell. You don't have to go there. Why? Because God's revealed will is to save you, to wash you, to cleanse you. He's paid the price for you. It is not his will that any should perish. Underline this verse, my Calvinist friends. Only a few people in here understand that. And by the way, sometimes you need to get a familiar verse with a fresh anointing. The God thing is for everybody. I'm using that common vernacular. This relationship with God, it is for you. You are built for a relationship with God. Why? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I have a question for you. I'll say it in King James. Aren't you a whosoever? Are you a whosoever? If you're a whosoever, then a relationship with God is what you're built for. 
I don't care about your background. I don't care about what your denomination was in the past. Here, I'm, I'm laying out to you a biblical reality, crushing the wall of separation erected by demons and religious spirits. Here it is. You are built for a real relationship with God where he can what? Speak to you, interact with you, lead you, guide you, so that a sound of victory comes. And it only comes by grace. Here's another wall that goes up. Everybody puts these up. And boy, I tell you what, this goes up even after you're saved. I believe this. Here's a wall that goes up. Well, God couldn't love me. I see why he loves Sister Nancy. Her dress barely comes over her ankles. She wears a floral print every week. No pants. She doesn't even wear makeup. I see why she's so holy. Why? I know why God would love her. But why would God love me? You're putting up a wall. You're putting up a wall. You think you crossed the Jordan? Do you think you got born again because you dried up the river? Or did God, by his grace, dry up the river of sin through the finished work of the cross and you walked in? Not based on performance. Let me give this to you. If you question God's love for you, go back to the cross. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, while we were powerless, he dies for us, showing us, demonstrating to us, I love you. And yet many times, even as believers, we question his love. The very thing that you're supposed to be rooted and grounded in and nourished by so that you will be effective in the kingdom of God. Oh, there's a big wall. There's another wall that goes up. I know, I know as soon as I bring up intimacy with God, this wall always goes up. Even by good people, you're on your way to heaven. But you think the only time that you heard God is when he was calling you out of darkness, just trying to get you born again. And after that, he just leaves you to yourself, right? I know I've heard this wall go up. I mean, so many times with people, well, pastor, God has never spoken to me. No, no, that's what your flesh is telling you. That's what your mind is telling you. And that might be the lie you're telling to keep you out of effectiveness in the kingdom of God. God never spoke. Yes, he has. Romans 1 says, all you got to do is take a walk around Citrus County and that God is speaking to, to you through all of creation. His attributes clearly seen. You don't have to go far. Just look up in the sky, day or night. And you can tell God speaking to you that he's there and that he is a good God and he supplies oxygen and he supplies nourishment and he cares for people whether listen to me whether they are in his family or out of it the bible says he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust by the way rain isn't bad only in america where we love entertainment do we think rain is bad oh god causes the rain to fall that's bad no 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 rain is a sign of god's blessing 
And I know so many people who say, God has never spoken to me. Oh, yes, he has. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Listen, this is really good. If you ever want to know what God is speaking to you, just go read the words in red. Just go read what Jesus has said. I believe it's a key in this hour to understanding and unlocking some things in your life. Go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you've questioned whether or not God is speaking to you, go listen to the words of God from the incarnate God spoken from heaven to us. And I will tell you that many people question whether or not after being born again and in this spirit-filled life, can we really hear God? Yes, you can. John 10, 26 through 28 says, but he, he, in this moment of confrontation, he says, but you do not believe me because you are not of my sheep. And as I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I will tell you, many people have said, Pastor, I don't hear God. I have one question. One question. The first question I ask is, have you been born again? I have to ask you, have you really been converted? Well, I've been to church my whole life. When did you get saved? Well, I've been saved my whole life. No, you have not. No, you haven't. You get born again when you repent and place faith in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross. That's when you get born again and God's spirit comes into you and you can begin to hear him. Now, now, now listen, let me give you an example. There are, there are these wonderful places in airports that are very exclusive. There's these little private clubs put together by, by the airlines. And if you've traveled enough, spent enough money with that airline, gather, gathered enough points, you can go into the lounge and get terrible airport food for free. And everybody walks by the entrance, go, man, I wish I could go in there. Oh, man, I haven't achieved that status. You know, I don't fly enough to get all those perks. Well, you know, many times people think, wow, the perk of performance is hearing God. No, but there is a status you need to achieve in order to hear God. There is a status. There is, there is an elite place. Are you ready? Here's your status you need to achieve. Sheep. You need to become a sheep. I mean, that real, that's real high. That's real high. I just have to become a sheep? You mean I don't have to be an apostle or a prophet? I don't have to be an evangelist winning millions to hear the voice of God? Nope, just a sheep. Just a sheep. And a sheep hears his voice. And I want to say to you, if you felt like, man, I'm on the outside, I don't have a relationship with God, I've got good news for you today. 
He is standing with arms wide open, ready to welcome you into the kingdom of God. And you're going to begin to hear his voice like never before. Why? Because he is raising up an army in this hour to carry out his purposes and plans and to release a sound of victory. You say, how do I become a sheep? It's real simple. Romans 10, 9 and 10. We need to review some of these verses. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Listen, when you believe and you confess, when you believe and you confess, you will be born again. When you believe that he really did come and die, that he was buried and raised from the dead, and you openly say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He is the one leading me. He's the one teaching me. He's the one that's created me. Listen, you're, you're saved. You're born again. Now, so the sound of victory starts with knowing the revealed will of God. So we've got the relational aspects out of the way here and those walls toppled by the truth of the word. But I want to give, uh, I want to give a little bit of instruction here, especially to believers. The sound of victory becomes reality through radical obedience. The sound of victory becomes reality through radical obedience. God doesn't just make statements and then we're just supposed to simply wait idly. No, we are to actively participate. God is looking for partners. Notice what he says in Joshua 6, verses 3 through 5. You shall march around the city, all, all, all you men of war, and you shall go all around the city once. Then, then you shall, this you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear, bear seven Trumpets of ram's horns before the ark, but the seventh day, march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people will shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now, I want to say to you, that radical obedience needs definition. And from this passage, this is how I, I, I define it. And if you want to write this down, this would be something for you to remember. Obedience is a faith walk during a spiritual war, releasing a supernatural sound that produces victorious results. I'm going to say that again. Obe obedience is a faith walk during a spiritual war, releasing a supernatural sound that produces victorious results. Let's just break that down. A faith walk. The faith walk is this. It's moving God's way even if I don't understand why. What does this mean? In this story, it is six days. I want you to walk around the city. I want you to walk around the city one time. The next day, I want you to walk around the city. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times.
anybody who had been in the boardroom of, of heaven would have questioned the effectiveness of what they were doing. Have you ever asked God, God, why am I doing what you've called me to do? I feel like I'm walking in circles. Why do they talk about prayer so much at Calvary? It just feels like we're walking in circles. This doesn't make any sense. All this stuff that God is telling me to, to do. It, it's not. How is walking going to make any difference? It's not that God told them just to walk, which, by the way, uh, when I was thinking about it, when I was in Israel in 2019, I saw that the children of Israel actually crossed the Jordan right across from Jericho. So that meant this. Every time all the fighting men walked around the city, when they were making a lap, there came a time where they had to look back at the wilderness where they came from. They weren't looking at the city. When you walk around the city, you can see it. You can see what's right in front of you. But there will be a time where God is saying, just keep walking. And you're going to have to look at where you came from and confront the ideas that are beckoning you back to the wilderness. He says, listen, when you're walking around the city, when you're doing what I tell you to do, there is something going on that you don't understand. I am solidifying you. I I am establishing you in a new place. You're going to look on your past in a different way. And then he says, walk around the city and don't talk. Why did he tell the children of Israel not to speak? If you look at the way they were from the moment before the Red Sea all the way through the wilderness, they are professional complainers. <laughs> they are pros. All they do is complain. You brought us here to the Red Sea to die. Our enemies are going to kill us. They have got, listen, God is a giant fire in the sky protecting them, and they complain. Everybody can see it. He splits the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground just on the other side when they got a little bit uncomfortable. They say, you're going to dry us up. The waters are no good here. They walk a little bit further. They're like, you just brought us here to starve us and kill us. God gives them manna. I can't stand this manna. Send me meat. Complaining, walking, complaining, walking, complaining, walking, complaining. What's the lesson here? When your words reinforce demonic strongholds, keep silent. In this spirit-filled life, sometimes you need to understand that your words, you complaining about your situation, is not God's way of changing it.
We know this, that God is enthroned in the praises of his people. Well, who do you think gets enthroned in your complaining? So God says, you're going to have to do what I tell you to do the way I tell you to do it. It's a faith walk. Why did God choose prayer? He's God. Why did God choose gathering together as a church? He's God. Why all of the methods that God gives us to interact with heaven? He's God. It's a faith walk. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21 teach us about the power of words. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Need to learn some lessons in this spirit-filled life. What you say matters. You need to push eject on the complaining, stop agreeing with Satan, and stop Start saying what God has already revealed. You say what's in agreement with the word of God. Let me give you the second one. It's a faith walk, but it's also a spiritual war. When the priests were taking up the shofar, um, I I, I saw this. um, uh, Years ago, I used to see this story radically different. When When I was a child, I was taught that the march around Jericho was silent. It was not. No, 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 it was not silent. The priests walking before the presence of God would take a shofar, and they are blowing a shofar again and again and again and again and again until the city had been encircled. This shofar and the priest, the blowing of the shofar is actually a, a type of worship. This is symbolizing worship. So when they would blow the shofar, they were releasing the sound of worship. Matter of fact, there are several different types of way, ways to blow the shofar. In this passage, I believe there's two that are used. It could have been others, but I think there's one called the takiyah. Now, the takiyah, uh, when you blow the trumpet, which I'm not going to do because this would not motivate you if I blew this. I know you, you guys were got, like getting really excited. No, no, no. It'd be like squeaking, okay? Uh, you know, um, the takiyah was this. This was to first announce the entrance of the king. It would be like announcing a brand new king is on the throne. So when they blew it, it was worshiping, announcing there's a new king that reigns over Jericho. There was also this, this, this even today during Rosh Hashanah, uh, you know, the, the shofar is blown, and this tekiah blast, to the people, it means God reigns supreme. That's what this means. God reigns supreme. 
And then at the end of Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement where all the sins of the whole nation are wiped out, this, the, the, the supreme reign of God is announced through a long blast. And that long blast is what they were commanded to do on the seventh day, on the seventh time around. You see, what, what this really represents, you see, this is um, this ram's horn, or this particular one, maybe from a kudu, but this was not a, a trumpet hammered from silver. That is a completely different word in the Hebrew. In order for this sound to be made, something had to die. Why? Because God loves to receive worship, breath over dead things. I wish somebody in here would get a revelation that when you choose to die to self, as we've been talking about, when you crucify the flesh and begin to announce what God, who God is, things change in the atmosphere. You see, there's a spiritual war going on that, it. listen, it, it, what, it, what it needs to be absent of is complaining, but what it needs to be filled with is worship. This is what it needs to be filled with. And by the way, it wasn't a silent march. It was a worshipful march. Let me give you this. Not only was there a spiritual war which was what the shofar was there announcing, but there was a supernatural sound. You say, was that supernatural sound coming from the shofar? No. No, it was not. The supernatural sound is when obedient men join the spiritual war by releasing the supernatural sound of agreement in prayer. I'm going to say that again. When obedient men join the spiritual war by releasing the supernatural sound of agreement in prayer, walls fall down. This is what would happen. This is what happened on that last blast, announcing God's supreme rule. A note was released. Probably sounded something like, It's a note. Let me tell you what the fighting men did. The fighting men, in their shout, matched the note. They came into agreement with that sound. So the, the trumpet blowing, ah, ah. And so when they lifted up their shout, it was, ah. I ought to teach you something about prayer this morning. Prayer is when we match our words with the sound of heaven. And when you pray the revealed will of God, here's what's going to happen. Walls are going to fall in this community. Walls are going to fall in your home. Walls are going to fall in your life. James 4, 2, it says, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. The trumpet's blasting. 
But in a moment where we could see the kingdom advance, the church has gone silent in the place of prayer. Why? Because we question whether or not giving ourselves to prayer actually works. I'm here to tell you it works. I'm here to announce to you it works. It's a great man of God. His name is Reese Howell. Reese Howell was a missionary in Wales. And he understood that the world wars could be shaped by intercession and prayer. Matter of fact, those who knew him closely would say later, because Reese Howell, this missionary, was so confident in the real, revealed will of God, they said, how did he get so confident in the things of God? Here's how. He prayed 12 hours a day one year for 11 months. Let me tell you how God used Reese Howell. Reese Howell was used in the Battle of Dunkirk. He was used not as one who would fire weapons of natural war, but ones who would partner with other people in ministry. He would bow a knee and the, the tides of war would shift through Reese Howell. Listen, this is what he says. He says, I want to know that the Holy Spirit is stronger than the devil in the Nazi system. This is the battle of the ages, and victory here means victory for millions of people. That's what he said, and that's what we believed. I wonder if there isn't a church who would once again believe if you would partner your voice with the sound of heaven in this hour, if millions of people wouldn't be saved from the Nazi system that is trying to make its way through the course of this nation. I am telling you right now, church, it won't be from a protest that we gain victory. It will be because we bend a knee and give our shout to the sound of worship of God. We've got to echo the sound of the revealed will of God and we will see it. And unity is really important. Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I say to you, if, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. It will be done. So notice the sound of victory. This is what it looks like. Joshua 6, 20, it says, so the people shouted when the priests blew their trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, that people shouted with a great shout, then the wall fell flat. Then the people went up into the city, every, every man straight before him, and they took the city. This is the roadmap for victory. This is the roadmap for seeing regions changed by the presence of God. It is a faith walk where we walk the way he tells us to walk even when it confronts our reason. It is to say, God, I want my life to be a shofar of worship, announcing to the world, both in the natural and in the spirit, that you are the king of glory and the gate for you to come into this region is wide open. God, I will marry my shout, my voice in prayer to your revealed will. And when I do, walls will fall. 
I wonder if God won't raise up Calvary Church to pray in a drop in the crime rate. I wonder if God won't raise up, raise up Calvary Church to see the drop in abuse of children in this region. I wonder if you wouldn't bow your knee once more and give your shout to the purposes of God until we see thousands upon thousands of people in this region come to the saving knowledge of Christ. We need to let God bend us. We need to let God break us and say, God, my voice in this hour won't be given to simply my purposes. My voice will be married to your will and to your character and your your desire for this region and God by your grace walls will fall in Jesus name <laughs>